0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an IT Business Owner. Again, we are so excited to have you guys joining us today. I'm Taylor Thorson, back again with Ryan Goodman, podcast host and president of Connect Booster. Today we have a one-of-a-kind episode for you guys yeah. with Frank Vitigliano. He is the CEO of the Global Tech Distribution Council, and fun fact, inducted into the IT Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that was a big deal. Yeah, along the likes of uh, Bill Gates and and Steve Super Jobs. Cool. Incredible! What an honor to be able to to interview him and have him be on the show and. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, Frank's thirty-year career in IBM, right. as well as then near the end of his career, before he became the CEO of the GTDC, um, worked at a smaller MSP. So he got to yeah. he got to understand the distribution model for many years on the on the enterprise side, but then really got to mix it up on the the smaller side of, of that business, which made a big impact in in his career. Uh, right. The other thing that he had done was we talked a lot about the the infrastructure that distribution has invested in over the last 30 years and how critical that was through the work from office to work from home transition yep. we had all just gone through
0: yep that no one saw coming and right. had to pivot quickly yes well thanks again for joining and enjoy
1: frank Thank you for uh, getting on the getting on the call, getting on the podcast today. Confessions of an IT business owner, uh, like our trend as of the last few podcasts. Of course, we're tying people up on Friday. What well, that's wrong with us over here?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm happy to do it. A- a- any day works.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. I One appreciate Friday that.
0: afternoon, so that was good.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, at least we're in the morning, right? All right, I get a, get a little bit of grace. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, before we dig into, to all of the, uh, uh, meat of the conversation, let's say, uh, you're a big sports fan, right? At least that's, that's what I understand. Uh, yeah. what, what, what teams do you follow?
0: Well, I grew up in Boston. Uh, okay. So, you know, I follow the Red Sox and the Patriots as you know, you would expect. Absolutely. Uh, and I've been living in pretty much in Atlanta for the last 30 years or so. So I've kind of become a little bit of a of a you know Georgia sports fan, but my daughter yeah. went to the University of Georgia, so I follow their football team uh, pretty regularly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so between those, you know, that kind of keeps me busy.
1: That's awesome. I had a chance to go to Fenway. It, it was one time several years back, but you know, what an iconic place!
0: It is, and you know, there's been discussion about you know ripping it down and starting yeah. over, and it's like, why would anybody even think about that? No, right. that's, um, but yeah, it is, I get, up, I try to get up once a year, uh, when I'm up there. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Now, another fun fact I was, I was, um, you know, just doing a little bit of research. Now you have, you have some pretty, uh, pretty insane company around an honor that you've received a few years ago, uh, with the likes of Bill Gates and, and Steve jobs. Um, being inducted into the IT Hall of Fame that that's incredible.
0: Yeah, it was a that was a nice honor. That uh Yeah. You know, and it you know, it sort of recognized I've been in the industry, you know, as, as you probably know for quite some time, probably, yeah. you know, going on I don't know, 35, 40 years, some something in that range. Um, right. and uh the one thing I did is I decided to early on, I decided to kind of get into an area that I really enjoyed and stay there. Hmm. And a lot of folks don't do that. You know, a lot of right. folks are, are in it. And, and so I worked for IBM at the time. That was my first company I started with. And, you know, I had a number of different opportunities to work in a number of different areas. Um, but I ended up over in the channel area. And back in the days when the channels were really just kind of getting started. This was you sure. know, back in the um, mid-80s, you know, the beginning of the IBM PC, you know, kind of yeah. stuff. Right? And, uh, and I've been in it ever since. And so where there's a lot of guys that jumped in and out and done different things, I stayed in it yeah. and I developed a lot of relationships, um, you know, and I'd like to think a lot of expertise and, um, and it was, it was fun and it was a great spot to be in and, and over the years I stayed very engaged and I was lucky enough to get on it with, you know, with that, uh, with that a few years ago. So yeah,
1: great. that is that is uh, that is an incredible story. So you had mentioned IBM, was that your first job yeah. in technology?
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. I actually started um <laughs> I actually started in high school. I was okay. a, uh, I was a senior in high school looking, you know, for kind of a work study kind of a deal. Um I went to work for IBM in the mailroom and okay. um they at the time they had a tuition refund program. And I grew up, as I mentioned, I grew up in the Boston area, kind of lower middle class. You know, my father was a truck driver. Sure. Um, And so um, I realized that it was a good opportunity to get a tuition-free education if I stayed with IBM. So I got offered a full-time job. It was, you know, it was in kind of a distribution center kind of an environment. And um, went to school at night, went to Northeastern at night um, through the IBM tuition refund program. So they basically paid for my education. Yeah, took a little longer than, you know, normal. And it wasn't a traditional college experience that a lot of people would have. Right. But it worked out great. And so I, and I stayed, so I stayed with IBM for 33 years, wow. uh, technically started at 17 left at 50 and then went off and did a, you know, a couple of other things after that.
1: So you, I, I also had on, on my list here in doing some research, um, you had some experience with Dell Juniper and, in uh, Computex. Um, you know, what are some of the accomplishments that, that you're most proud of? Obviously, you had a long tenure at uh, at IPM, IBM, but what what are some of those accomplishments that that you're, you know, really most proud of in, in that time?
0: Yeah, I tell you, you know, when you when you think back after all these years, you know, it gets kind of blurry, <laughs> you know, in terms of what you did and what you didn't do. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, um, what I'm most proud of is just just developing you know good strong enduring relationships yeah you know um and you know you don't do that over a long period of time unless you treat people the right way unless Mm -hmm. you're honest trustworthy etc you know you don't last for you know 45 years or whatever you know in any industry and i remember early on i had a mentor of mine um somebody who was very influential to me tell me You know, at the end of the day, (laughs) when it's when it's close to being over and you're thinking back, um, you won't remember the meetings. You know, you won't remember the, you know, the events. You won't. What you remember is the relationships. Right. That's that's the part that will be will matter and that will endure. And for me, that was the most significant piece. Um, You know, I because, you know, any of us that are in this space, once you take a job, once you agree to, you know, you're you're, if you're going to do it right you're going to put everything you have into it. So you, you right. know, you're working 12, 15, 18 hour yep. days, you're traveling, you're doing all that. It all kind of is a blur, but at the end of the day, it's the relationships that to me that, that, that mattered the most. So I'm most proud of that.
1: That's cool. That's yeah. cool. As well as some good advice in there. Relationships you know, are key.
0: <laughs> they are particularly in the, in the, in the channels business. You know, it's a, it's, it's a surprisingly small community. It, Correct. You know I mean? You've got, obviously, you've got, you know, the vendor piece of it. Mm-hmm. You've got the s- solution providers, the distributors kind of in the middle. You know, of course, you know, none of us would be here if it wasn't for the end users and people right. that are buying the stuff. Right. Right. Um, but it's it's an amazingly small community. And once you're in it and once you kind of, you know, get to know folks and you and you kind of kind of operate and actually participate, you'd be shocked at, at you know, how um, how engaged you can be.
1: Yeah. I love the magic of this space because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is very good.
1: So I'm going to shift, uh, I'm going to shift my questions a little bit. Would love to discuss your current role at the global technology distribution council. And, and, uh, you know, how long have you been there? And, uh, what brought you to that point where you said, Hey, at this point in my career, this is, this is what I'm interested in doing.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Um, so, um, I spent, as I mentioned, probably 30, I don't know, 40 years on the, on the vendor side. Yeah. And, and then I went and spent a couple of years as the CEO of a, of a solution provider, and that turned out to be really beneficial for me because I'm one of those people that learns by doing things. Sure. And so as much as I thought I, you know, kind of knew that world, having, you know, been a vendor executive for a long time, working with, you know, a number of solution providers. Um, it was an eye-opening experience. It, hmm. it, it really was. And uh, so I spent a couple of years doing that. And uh, it was a fairly good-sized uh, solution provider. And it included a, a, a pretty good-sized MSP business. So sure. you know, it helped me learn a little bit about you know, what was happening there. Um, and then I left and I was doing some consulting. And I got contacted by um, the GTDC, actually by the executive committee, Uh, and the executive committee essentially are the CEOs of the four or five largest um, distributors on the planet, you know, uh, Ingram, you know, tech data, which recently just, you know, consolidated with yeah, a lot of news around that. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Um, uh, Arrow um, and a company um, in uh, Italy uh, called Esprinet, the largest, Mm. uh, one of the largest distributors in uh, Southern Europe. And, um, and basically, GTDC is a uh, global uh, trade association, nonprofit trade association. And our role is to um, educate and advocate for the value that distributors provide in the industry. And I been was very, very aware of GTDC, having worked with them for years right. uh, in the past. Uh, the former CEO was a gentleman named Tim Curran, who I had known for a you know, long time. So in my role as a vendor executive, I was very engaged. So I knew what they did, knew why they did it, and it was to me a very you know exciting and interesting opportunity, uh, and one that I could uh, that I could jump into, and uh, yeah. and I did. So I took the role two years ago, okay, and uh, it's been great. It, now clearly the pandemic has changed, you know, kind of changed yeah. the way I would do the job, <laughs> right? yeah, uh, quite a bit. Uh, because normally it's a lot of external, you know, we we do a couple of big events a year and then we're doing a lot of on site, making a lot of speeches and doing that. So that all changed, um, but it's still been fun. And, you know, hopefully we're going to be back to some version of, um, you know, normalcy, you know, hopefully soon. Right. Yeah. Agreed.
1: So, agreed. Yeah. And you're you're reading my mind. I mean, that's literally the the next thread I want to go into. Obviously, it, it, it changed. uh it changed how you do the job right you know inter- interacting with others um, how are how are the distributors faring in the current economic environment
0: yeah they're doing they're doing really well um, you know we just published uh, last week uh, some data that showed you know both in Europe and North America um, the growth rates are, are very positive and continuing despite you know there's a few supply chain challenges supply chain challenges right. right now with components and things like that. But despite mm-hmm. that, they're doing really well. And I'll talk a little bit about um, uh, sort of, you know, how their world has changed. But before I do that, um, I do want to comment on what they what they did in 2020.
1: 2020 yeah, was great. an
0: incredible year, yeah, for, for the distributors. Um, because if you know how the distributors operate, and certainly your, your audience does, Mm-hmm. Traditionally, they've had rooms full of people, um, right. you know, doing inside sales and, and technical support, et cetera. And essentially overnight with the pandemic, <laughs> those people had to go someplace <laughs> yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, They weren't in that room anymore. And um, so I went home. And uh, so, you know, and that was everybody kind of did that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but as importantly, there are also functions within distribution that wouldn't lend themselves to that. So obviously the warehousing um, in the logistics areas. So they had to quickly figure out what, could, what they could do there and how, to, yeah. and how to continue to support their customers. And they did that. And it's incredible. The job that the distrib- distributors did throughout 2020, keeping the IT supply chain flowing mm. was absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, if you look at other supply chains, you know, we all heard the paper goods issues, the right. is, in some cases, even food supply chains. There wasn't much of that. And the distributors quickly um, developed uh, a number of offerings. First of all, they figured out how to help people work from home very quickly. Because, you know, and that required getting the required equipment, you know, whether it was speakers and microphones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, laptops. uh, But it also required training, right? And and they, they bundled some things and they trained. But as importantly, what they did is they partnered. Extraordinarily well upstream with the vendors in terms of getting product to market, and then they provided a tremendous level of support, what I call downstream to their customers, to the solution providers, yeah. um, which included, you know, training, support, and, and very importantly during the pandemic, you know, financing uh, programs and offers yeah. where they extended terms, things yeah. like that that proved to be really important. So. I have to just say, whether I'm in this job or not, advocating for distributors, the job they did in 2020, helping, you know, get through the worst part of the pandemic was nothing short of exceptional, frankly.
1: Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, that even brings to mind, you know, the economic impact, you know, the stilts that, you know, that they're putting uh, up under, you know, our SMB community, right? You know, from, yeah. from MSPs to, you know, all the way through the supply chain. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine um, the impact if all of that logistical planning was, was not happening. I mean, business doesn't move without technology anymore. You You're know?
0: absolutely right. And, and the other thing, Ryan, that people have to understand is it, it, even though they were forced to, you know, react overnight, the truth is, If they didn't have 30 years of infrastructure built and 30 years of, you know, all of the things that, frankly, a lot of people take for granted that distributors do, right? If that all wasn't in place, they could not have morphed that quickly, right? They could not have made that transition. So you're right. Um, They were able to do that. And, you know, so when you sit back and you talk about, geez, what's the value that DISTI provides? (laughs) <laughs> in you know sort of the old world, right? Yeah. You know, hardware oriented, and what's the value? What what are they morphing to, and what's it look? Mm-hmm. You can't forget the the foundation, right? In other words, that foundation's built, and it isn't going away, and it's required. Yeah. It's required yeah. whether we're in a cloud world or whether we're you know back in nineteen you know eighty five worrying about getting yep. you know PCs to somebody. Yep.
1: Hey guys, here with a quick break from our show to remind you to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you have suggestions for future episodes or you wanna be a guest on the podcast, email us at podcast at or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter and we'll be sure to point you in the right direction. Lastly, to find out more about our guests, check out their information in the podcast description. Thanks for listening to the confessions of an IT business owner. Let's get back to the show. And, you know, you brought up a point. I mean, the role of uh, the role of distribution is changing a bit. You know, we've got the underpinnings of you're exactly right. I mean, all, all, all those years of of infrastructure building. I mean, thank God. Um, but how do you see the role of the dis- distributor changing as MSP's, you know, shift to the cloud and and, um, you know, other other advanced technologies and services?
0: Yeah. Well, it is definitely changing, and in order to really assess it, though, what you got to do is you kind of got to go back, and you got to realize. So, in the early days, distribution was essentially a warehouse and a bank.
1: Sure, right?
0: that's what they did. They, they, um, and then it kind of it consistently evolved, and it evolved with the additions of pre and post sales support, um, solution provider recruitment, and onboarding. Uh, mm-hmm. solutions, integration, and technical, you know, support. I mean, there's a whole long list of activities. It makes your eyes glaze over, you know, if I <laughs> go through them all. But the truth is they were all there and, and there was a ton of value that people paid for at the vendor level. When you partnered with DIST and I did it for, as I said, you know, more than 40 years. Yeah. And at the solution provider level, who are the customers of DIST, they know all of those services. Yeah. Um, And, what's happened is that's consistently evolved and it's evolved with the basics as the foundation. But now when you get into, well, what's the new world look like, right? In other words, the environment we're into its software uh, and everything as a service and certainly everything in the cloud. And the truth is there's a whole level of support that's still required. Correct. And people are starting to realize that. So it isn't about, you know, you and I, you know, wanting to go procure a laptop and we could very easily go online and figure out, you know, it, it's not about that. We're talking about right. businesses, enterprises continuing, continuing to, you know, transact business. And so every solution requires multiple vendors. That's been the mm-hmm. case forever. And that isn't going to change. the The complexity is increasing, not decreasing. Right. With with the complexity associated with the, the, the cloud uh, and security requirements is another huge, you know, factor that everybody has to think For about sure. in any business. Right. And so what's happening is you start looking at, OK, well, what value can DISTYs provide? i would give you a couple of examples. Yeah. You look at um, consolidating and streamlining the ordering and the billing process. Yeah. I mentioned that in any solution, you're going to have multiple vendors. Well, every one of them has dis- just different T's and C's, different right. warranties, different start dates. Somebody's got to manage all that complexity, mm-hmm. right? Now, in some cases, the solution providers do that and, and you know can do it pretty well. But I will tell you that what I'm seeing more and more is the solution providers even are requiring a level of support from their distributors. Yeah. That you don't even realize until you get into it, right? Yeah. And and so, the role is clearly evolving, it's clearly changing, but the value is not diminishing. The value is still there, and people are, are realizing that.
1: Oh, that's that's great information. I'm gonna I'm gonna take us a step, um, a level different down to the MSP level. Um, how can MSPs get the most? out of their distribution relationships?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And so um, I might have answered it differently before I actually ran an MSP.
1: Right, that's going to be right? an interesting view. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so what I would tell you is, initially on the startup phase, particularly on a, in the case of a small MSP, they might need a little bit of support, you know, the types of things that, you know, just could do. But kind of once you get going, um, and if it's a pure play MSP, right, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty familiar with, yeah. um, you know, business is kind of going along. But what you begin to realize over time is as you continue to revolve, your customer requirements become more significant. And so I'll give you two examples of things sure. that I experienced as an MSP that, that I think are really important. The first was, I was consistently having our customers come to us asking for help with new technologies, whether it was, you know, IOT at the time, whether Mm -hmm. it was artificial intelligence, whether it was, you know, any number of things like that. Uh, Certainly all the cloud discussions were part of it and all the security discussions were part of it. And what I ended up having to do was I ended up having to rely on my distributor to help me with some of that training and enablement that I couldn't afford as a relatively small MSP right. to go out and procure on my own, right? right? Because the way to do it is you basically gotta go hire some people. Uh, gr- and yeah. you know, every one of them was a major investment that wasn't gonna pay off for best case, nine to Long 12 haul. months, yeah. <laughs> right? And so I had to go someplace to get it. And I went to Disty and, and I got it and I got that help. The second area that was really important and I know this might seem kind of uh, obvious, and it might seem kind of old school, but it really wasn't. Was in the whole financing and and creative, right. you know, financial solutions uh, area. Um, every distributor out there, certainly those in the in part of the GTDC, offer their customers a number of different financing options. But what I found when I was running an MSP was, when I needed to go make investments. I needed to have a pool of capital that I could utilize. And all I had were my MSP contracts Mm -hmm. and they were monthly, you know, subscriptions and they would be right. And so I had to go someplace in addition to maybe my normal banking relationship to find somebody that would have enough confidence and understanding Mm -hmm. of my business to help make those investments. So I could go make the investment in, um hiring, you know, somebody who could uh take us to the next level of um security, for example, uh, right. you know, or when we were morphing from an MSP to an MSSP, right? Uh a managed security provider and you had all the certifications that were required. That takes investment. And yeah. so the distributors were able to help with that and provide creative financing that enabled me to continue running my business with the cash flow I needed but also make the investments that, you know, were required. And a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, those options are available and those things yeah. are, you know, are out there. So those are two, those two, two examples that uh, that I personally experienced.
1: Well, and those are great points. And I think um, you're right that that benefit of the financing element, because they understand the revenue. Like you go to a bank, right? And they see that recurring revenue, they're not seeing it as a hard asset. They're not seeing it as, oh, this isn't land I can, you know, uh, I can repossess that, you know, that that tangible value. They're, they're still turning a curve to be able to understand that asset class as uh, something that they can secure against. It's very difficult. So the ability for the distributor to understand the revenue model and to get creative to your point, to finance against it, um, Man, that can't be stated enough. I mean, cash flow is king in, in the org, you know.
0: Yeah, and particularly the last couple of years when you couple that with with you know the pandemic situation, the last couple of years. Because what typically happens, you know, in the in the um, MSP and/or solution provider world, you know, whether and, and many of the folks that I'm familiar with were a hybrid, right? And they were right. a mm-hmm. a solution provider that still sold hardware. But also had an element of services and the services included um, managed services as well hmm. as professional services. Right? right. And that combination. So when you look at that combination, um, it it was really important that you have somebody that understands the business. Right. And and traditionally, folks that aren't in the space, the, the you know, banking entities. Correct. Don't understand it now. There is one point that I will make that is a little um, um, ancillary to all of this, but but sure. is important to think about. The folks who have figured out the value distribution uh, recently uh, have been the um, private equity firms, mm. and there's a ton of investment that's you know been happening. And you, as I'm sure you know, you know, Ingram just closed. Yeah, you know, with their with the. A private equity, you know, purchase from H&A. And then, of course, tech data prior to uh, being, you know, merging with Cinex um, were owned by uh, private equity. And, um, and that to me is very telling and very important for people to realize because that's smart money. Private hmm. equity guys are smart money. And what they realized is there's a ton of value that the disties are providing and there's more that they can be providing Yeah, uh, based on the investments that are being made. And so, um, and so I, that bodes well, frankly, for where we are from an industry standpoint. Yeah.
1: yeah. Agreed. I mean, you, you get smart money coming into the industry like that, you know, the future is going to be bright. They're not, they're not, they're not placing losing bets. Right.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, the, and the distributors keep doing what they're doing. And, you know, you asked earlier and, they're, they're doing well and they're, they're yeah. making investments and they're in some cases buying other companies and consolidating. And it's a, right. it's a good story. It really is a good story.
1: Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So I, you and I, I feel like we could talk for, for three hours with the wealth of knowledge that you have acquired through your experience and through your tenure in the industry. Um, but I know it's the weekend. I know it's Friday and I don't want to push you into the afternoon and our morning. Um, any final thoughts uh, that you'd like to, to share with our listeners before we end the show?
0: Yeah, I, I, here's what I would say. Um, and, and you know, for me, as I said, from in my current role, um, which is to educate the marketplace on what distribution does, what I would, what I would urge your audience to do mm-hmm. is to spend time to understand the offerings that are available to help them with their business uh, through distribution, the 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 worst statement that any distributor wants to hear from a solution provider or a prospective customer is, "Gee, I didn't know you did that." Right. <laughs> that's that's the that's the last thing they want to hear. Right. Right. Um, but yet, sometimes, you know, like any other business, they don't. We don't all do a good enough job articulating, you know, what can be done, because it ranges from a laundry list of activities that, as I said earlier, can make your eyes glaze over to tell us what you need and we'll do it, which also yeah. puts some people off sometimes, right? Because sometimes people want, well, what is the solution that you have for this or for that? And so my advice would be ask the question, go sure. and get engaged, understand what the distributor can provide um, very specifically, and, and they'll be surprised uh, and they'll be surprised on the good side because their offerings are incredible and they've made incredible um, uh, advances over the last couple of years in this new world that we're living in of everything as a service and you know, software and cloud and you know, all the other things that are happening from an advanced technology standpoint. So that would oh, be my advice.
1: That's great advice. Call to action, guys. Get out and create that relationship with your distributors, and uh, start having that conversation on on where you can help each other out. You know, in in business, driving solutions down to those those end customers. That's that's great, Frank. Uh, it was an honor to have you on today. I, I truly do appreciate, it and I'm really grateful for for you spending your time uh, with us today. Thanks for all of the information you have shared with the audience. Extremely valuable, as as well as just a a really fun look into uh your experience in the industry as well this this was great appreciate yeah. the time
0: well great ryan thank you thank you for inviting me i i enjoy it and i'll uh, be happy to do it again as things go on because the one thing we all know being in this industry is it's going to change <laughs> it's Correct. Gonna, gonna evolve. so that's probably why it's so much fun
1: well i am sure we will be talking again
0: yep thanks thank you